you're listening to Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast that's changing society by cherishing Scripture. Why do you need to carry an amulet around in your pocket that says WWJD to remind you what Jesus would do? Isn't that the Holy Spirit's job? But it seems like a lot of men are trying to manufacture this difference as opposed to letting it naturally happen. Exactly. And the exactly Bible, right. the Bible naturally changes people and makes them different. In debates, when you get in a debate with someone, you know that you've won the debate when they turn personal. Yeah. They're attacking these preachers that are standing for their liberty. And right. when they can't find anything biblically wrong with this person, they start picking out other things. Yep. And if you don't think that those two things can overpower and overtake you, you're pretending. Right. And now here's your hosts, Pastor Brad Bailey, Adam Capps, Zach Taylor, and Jeremy Boggs. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, to the Cherishing Scripture podcast and gals, whoever listens to us. We're glad you're with us today. This is Pastor Brad Bailey, Brandon Baptist Tabernacle in Brandon, Florida. And to my immediate left is Brother Adam Capps, one of our precious men here in the church, excellent servant of the Lord. And to my uh, distant left over there is Jeremy Boggs. Ditto for all of that with him, too. And then He's drinking our, pumpkin spice soda. Yes, he is. I just is. want to it's go ahead not, and throw it's that not out. Here. It has no appearance of evil. We hey, want to turn that around so everybody can what see is. what that is. I just tried to drink it, and it went up onto my, the my mustache and my nose. and Perfect. Nasty. No appearance of evil. That will cause a sinus infection. So we're thankful that uh, you have tuned in with us today. It's a, it's a blessing to have you with us. We also have Jay Dempsey. He's one of our new brothers. Been with us, I guess, close to a year maybe. I can't remember exactly. He and his wife got a newborn and uh, just precious brother. He's kind of learning the ropes here with us, helping us out on our soundboard after we uh, said goodbye to Zachary Taylor. Man, we miss him like crazy. And uh, some of you guys have, might have noticed the last few podcasts he hasn't been here with us because he and his wife have moved. And uh, so we're excited for what the Lord has in, in store for their lives. But we also welcome Jay. Glad to have you with us, man. It's a blessing to have you. Good to be here. So we are back in Matthew chapter 5. We're wrapping up the section there in, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about persecution in three separate verses, 5.10, 5.11, and 5.12. And we'll talk about those in just a little bit. But we started this new thing here mm-hmm. on toxic tweets. And, uh, you know, Brother Jeremy has been kind of going out and cherry-picking those for us and bringing them in and reading those for us, and then we're responding. And uh, one of the ways he's doing that is really not telling us a whole lot about the tweets. He's just kind of off the cuff just saying, you know, here's what was tweeted, here's what was said, and then we're giving a uh, uh, sort of a spontaneous response. And if you could just see Adam's face. It's been great. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. Love it. So the toxic tweet section for today, I had a chance to pick, and um, uh, one of my, I don't know, I don't know what to call this, these folks at bad preacher clips. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to call them. Uh, I don't know how I feel about everything that they post. There's some things that they post. I wish they had not posted it, but then there's other things that. Goodness gracious, man! You're just talking about something you love to hate. Some of the stuff that's being said <laughs> out there in circles by guys and one of the things that i want to throw out there that i saw recently from an old acquaintance that i had many many years ago and this guy was featured on bad preacher clips and he was talking about the concept of being drunk on the holy spirit uh this is one of those things that just you just gets my blood boiling 
Uh, I have heard this for years and years and years and years about you just need to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. And they take Ephesians chapter 5, be not drunk with wine, word of success, but be you filled with the Spirit. And they try to liken the concept of being drunk on the Holy Spirit to being filled with the Holy Spirit. They say it's it's a very, very similar experience. I foursquare disagree with this. I think this is blasphemy, and I'm not. I don't use that word lightly. Um, I think this is saying this is blaming the Holy Spirit for behavior that He is not responsible for. Um, so I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on it. So their idea is a drunk guy is fun to be around. <laughs> nope, not the ones I was raised around. Uh, a drunk guy is extremely generous. You get him drunk enough and drinks are on the house. He's he's spending his light bill money. He's spending his insurance money. He's spending his kids' orthodontist money. He's spending everything on everybody. Drunk guy will just give away everything. A drunk guy is uh, is jovial and laughing and he's loud and so on and so forth. And so typically in fundamental Baptist circles where I was raised, they would be delighted for somebody to act that way in church. Get loud, get giddy, get obnoxious, even in some cases, and get generous and give away everything generous. you have to the church. Oh and, man, and uh, and get affectionate. You know, I was raised around drunk people who were quote unquote affectionate, but it was always indecent affection. And so, yeah, this is one of those that um, on bad preacher clips. It's an evangelist. Evangelists can afford to talk that way. They can, they can afford to behave that way, and because they're going to be somewhere else next week, they don't have to deal with the the fallout of this bad doctrine that they're spewing all over the congregation. Uh, so, yep, I don't know. I don't know where you guys are what, on this. What, what is what is the opposite of being drunk? Sober. Sober? Oh, interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up, preacher. Thank you so much. <laughs> Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, yeah. according as God hath dwelt. 2 Corinthians five thirteen. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. That's yeah. not one. Okay, never mind. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And be sober. That's First Thessalonians. Again, the two verses later. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. First Timothy, a bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober. sober. Good behavior. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, sober, faithful in all things. Titus, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober. That's talking about bishop again, the That's qualifications good. of being a bishop. That the aged men be sober, be sober grave, <laughs> temperate. <laughs> that they teach the young, the older women are to teach the young women to be sober. Mm. Young men likewise exhort to be sober. You know, you're the older men are supposed to teach the younger men to be sober minded. He's pointing over here at me. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. soberly. And in this I mean, world. it's just over and over and yeah. over and over and over again. Mm. Being drunk on the Holy Spirit is the opposite. Being drunk in general, sorry, is be the well, opposite. It assumes that the Spirit of God is an intoxicant. It assumes that the Spirit of God is in some an way... Impairment, an impairing uh, yeah, yeah, it, experience? Yeah, it gets you out of your mind nope. and into this nirvana experience, and you're, you're so out of your head and you're so intoxicated on the Holy Ghost that 
who knows what you'll say? Who knows what you'll do? Yeah, that's and by the way, so guys, wrong. you guys haven't been from some of the camps I've been from. I've seen people go up and sit on the communion table, stick an offering plate on their head, and sing the ABCs under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I'm not going to lie. This I would like to see that. Baptist churches. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Um, you act uh, like a drunk person when you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Exactly. And the, thing, the thing about it is, is the more – in the places where I have seen this type of behavior manifested – the more drunk and out of control you are, it is assumed the more spiritual you are. Is that not Corinth? Yeah. I mean, is that are we not talking about the Corinthianization of the modern church today when we talk about, you know, because in Corinth it was all sex, 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 right? Excuse me. And and um, when it came to the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, what were they doing? They were eating in excess and drinking in excess. They were, you, they were taking... Um, the it was a big intoxicated orgy, man. Yeah, the observation of you know the Lord's and His suffering for us, and yeah. making it into a thing about their own flesh. Yeah. So, uh, when I think of like sober, I think of like uh, being aware. I don't know if that has anything to do. So, how if you are drunk in the spirit, how do you know it's the spirit if you're not aware? Right. And how are you going to be aware without the Word of God? Yeah, but when I was in right. Pentecostalism many, 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 many years ago when I was just a kid, they used to have, you know, little, <laughs> they used to have these little, um, he had the big old puffy hair. Many, many, many years ago. <laughs> they used to have these little training classes to teach Sunday school students like us to, to speak in tongues. No, and what they would way. tell you was that they would say, just close your eyes and just start jabbering. No you know? way. So you would close your eyes and just start, you know, Honda, 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 Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi. <laughs> and you just say whatever. And I'm not mocking. I'm not trying to be, you know, cruel here. But just just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And what happens is is you get that you get that experience in which you, you start to – it just starts turning into, um, in a, you know, uh, unrecognizable gibberish. Mm. And they say, okay, you did it. You crossed the threshold. You made it into the glory room, or you made it into the into the experience. And so, being drunk, uh, you know, they, they this, and the, sadly that's Pentecostalism. But this is Baptist people I'm talking about here that are advocating. You know, you man, you're not. You know, if your speech is not slurring and you're not staggering and you're not behaving erratically and and so on and so forth, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It so is total dig- bogus. I, I, I deny I'm, I'm going to call that square. anti-intellectualism. So That's what I'm going to call that. So exactly this, right. this evangelist is dictating on how the Spirit should have you behave. Yeah. If that's your opinion of God, your opinion of God isn't high enough. Exactly right. I agree a thousand percent, Jay. And, I, and, I, and here's the thing. These same guys, I'm thinking of two guys that have advocated this, and these same two guys have both said, I will never be an expositor. I don't need to be an expositor. As long as I have the wine of the Holy Spirit, I can I can be as wild and as, as uh, that, aberrant as I want to be, and, and that's mm. a man of God. Here's Adam's Tourette's coming out, okay? That's arrogance. Yeah. yeah. That is that is an extremely arrogant statement. Yeah. There is no amount of Holy Spirit that makes the, the expositing expositing the Bible irrelevant. Right. Okay. This that there's no amount of Holy Spirit that makes the Bible irrelevant. Yep. So that the the Bible gives relevance to your experiences of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's how that works. Right. Your experiences with the Holy Spirit gives relevance to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. 
and it, it's the idea their idea is the idea of elevating the experience with the Holy Spirit over the Word, yeah. and you can show them. You can take your Bible mm-hmm. and open it up right in front of their face they don't and care. say, "Yeah, but look what this says." And they say, "I don't care what that says. You I don't, don't know, know what my, happened to me. You don't know my experience that I right. had." Well, I can know that your experience is not of the Word of of, of God because it's not of the Bible, mm-hmm. yeah. because that's why we have the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Interesting. A great tweet. I wasn't yeah, really tweet. It was yeah, more I wish I had the uh, the sermon clip. Maybe we could actually listen to the, some of those things sometimes. I don't know if I if, if we need to do that on this podcast or not, but maybe that's an idea we could consider yeah, away from the super, microphone. Super fun. Yeah, yeah, I could find it. Yeah, possibly. So here we are again back in Matthew. Man, what a precious passage of Scripture this, this Gospel of Matthew has been. This is the sermon, the first sermon, public sermon at least, that Jesus preached. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10, 11, and 12, he talks about a subject that's really close to my heart. It's a subject of persecution. Mm-hmm. I'll just read those. Uh, Matthew five ten. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> Excuse me. Blessed are, me, are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets mm-hmm. which were before you. So we have illustrations of persecution that are predicted by Jesus here in this wonderful Sermon on the Mount, and he gives to us an, uh, a warning uh, that filters through the present apostles at the time, uh, and then it's going to filter down to us uh, ultimately in the church age and at the end of the church age especially, I think persecution can be expected. Um, so persecution comes in several forms. Uh, there's a mis, um, uh, sort of a misconception, a common misconception that a martyr is a person who has been murdered and has given their life for a cause. Um, in Christian persecution, martyrdom is, could actually be less than that. It could actually be having been incarcerated or having been what uh, in whatever context of situation that you're in, martyrdom uh, in, is up to and includes murder or being killed for the cause of Christ. But martyrdom could also include being include being uh, incarcerated, separated from your family. Uh, it could include um, a host of different things besides uh, being killed for the gospel. Uh, but in the in reference to what Jesus is saying here, all of the disciples except one will die a premature death. Of course, Judas hung himself. We're not including him. But John the Beloved lived a, lived a full life and canonized the, the 27 books of the New Testament for that. Uh, that was the reason for his full life. But the other 10, the other 10 all died prematurely, mm. every one of them, in a natural way. Some of them were drowned. Uh, James the Beloved was um, uh, was the first one to be killed. Um, the Apostle Paul, of course, we know was beheaded. Uh, I think it was um, Nathaniel who was tied into a sack with rocks, thrown over into the sea of into into a, a local body of water, and was drowned. Some of them were stoned. Uh, I want to say it was Thaddeus who was clubbed to death, and so persecution was in their future. That's the reality of what Jesus is warning here, and he's trying to prepare them and say. You will be of all pe- of all people most happy if that's the honor of, of that you have to go to go through when you die persecution. And for thousands of years after, this has been perfectly applicable to those who who choose to believe 
in Jesus right. Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. You there has never been a time when persecution has not existed for believers. There has been places where people aren't persecuted for their beliefs. That's why this country exists, and that's why this country is so great, because it was founded upon the principle of not persecuting people for their beliefs. Did it still happen? Yes. Yes, it still happened here. The principle was good, though. Mm -hmm. I think these verses are absolutely of dire importance and beautiful, and they're they're, they're so important of a concept for Christians to understand right. because nobody nobody wants to go through any sort of harm and and everybody in this room if they were to be harmed by somebody would stand up and defend themselves sure we would do that but if you are being harmed for this reason different standard applies yep because there's no greater honor that you can do in your entire life. There's nothing you can do with 70, 80 years of life that is more important than than being harmed because of Jesus, mm-hmm. for Jesus. I agree. And the reward for that is great. He says that. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Yeah. The, the point here is very, very important yeah, if persecution company. comes about. Yeah, and it's repeated again there, just like those who are um, poor in spirit, those who are persecuted get the kingdom of heaven. That's right. And uh, this is that's another promise that's constantly promised through your Old Testament, or your New Testament, sorry. Um, you know, Paul, in one of his letters, um, I can't remember the exact one, but he says that if you suffer now, you'll get to reign later. Right. Um, if we suffer so, with him, we shall also reign with him. Yeah, so there's a lot of promises like that throughout Scripture. Okay, um, so then, uh, I mean, that makes me think of, what, what is that term that you used this morning that we were talking about earlier, um, about monast- monastism? Monasticism. Monasticism. Yeah. That, that brings about, you know, the concept of monasticism. What about bringing, um, bringing harm upon yourself or living in a way that is... Um, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You know, in order to achieve a higher spiritual level, yeah. right? So, like this concept has been understood, but I'm not sure that it necessarily counts if it if it's you doing it to yourself, right? So, to be harmed, to yeah. be ridiculed, to be lied about, to be physically harmed, to be even killed for the name of Christ comes about from somebody else. Yeah, I remember there's another passage. I think it's in Acts um, that uh, after the disciples, I think took some kind of maybe like a beating or something, they left rejoicing because they yeah, suffered Paul and, uh, just Silas? like Christ did. Yeah. Was yeah. it those two or was it not Silas? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I just remember um, them saying that they left for, they got up and went left rejoicing no, maybe because they Peter. got to somewhat suffer um, just yeah. like their Savior suffered. It yeah. resembled Jesus. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So there's a resemblance. What there it, you go. There's it, a resemblance. It might have been Peter. And it, the reason I think it's Peter is because it's such a massive difference from the way he was when Jesus was, um, you know, when the threat uh, was there of Jesus being crucified. He was going to He was, well, after that, after he, Jesus has already gone with him, right. he was going to do anything to stay away from that um, fate. Mm-hmm. But then after Jesus came back, he rejoiced mm-hmm. when he got persecuted because it made him like Christ. What a right. big difference yeah. Yeah. in his heart. Yep. Yeah, I like the um, you know the the ending of verse twelve there. So uh, it says, "So persecuted they the prophets which were before you." This has been a problem 
even all the way in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, and I, I think we were talking about this today sometime, maybe at lunch, I can't remember, but about 85% of the Old Testament prophets, and we're talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, mm-hmm. all the way to the end there, Malachi, uh, 80% or more of those prophets died a premature death. They died having been clubbed or stoned or mm-hmm. drowned or beheaded. Uh, history gives us pretty sound information that Isaiah was sawn asunder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's it's a it's a a vile vile treatment of God's choice servants. But nevertheless, that is the destiny of the true child of God. We have to be willing to. Uh, participate in that fate if that's what God calls us to do. And I'm not so sure if it's specifically you that they hate. Right? That's why they're persecuting. That's exactly right. Yeah. They they are persecuting because they hate. Yeah, for my name's sake. What are they hating? Right. Yeah. For my name's sake, they hate the words of of God. They hate truth, and you are communicating that truth and and speaking it. And so the only way to silence you. Is try to persecute you. Yeah. I think one of the greatest persecutions that someone can face in our country today is the cancel culture. Yeah. I mean, if you say anything that they hate, especially truth, they will do anything they can to defame you. That yeah. what's that? The revile you and yeah. that word. say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Right. They'll do anything yeah. to shut you up. Well, you know, I'm writing a book on this, and uh, I am, I, I'm going to, every time I, I go back and touch this file, new ideas come to mind. And this kind of started for me about three years ago, when, uh, actually about two years ago, when the whole COVID shutdown stuff started, and, and they started telling churches, you must suspend services. Um, I knew then, you know, I had, I have friends, uh, out of state friends who had law enforcement walking into their services. And telling them that you're meeting, um, you are you are uh, meeting in violation of law, and forcing them to disperse, um, you know, or they were or they were going to be arrested, so on and so forth. We had preacher friends in Mississippi and Alabama who went through some of that. A lot of them in Georgia. Um, you know, one of the things that Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter ten sixteen is He said, "I send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves." That's completely backward from the natural arrangement. Normally, sheep do not go to wolves. Wolves come to sheep. But in this arrangement, he said, your persecution is going to be, uh, is going to become a reality and is going to manifest itself when you realize that I have sent you to the wolves. And you are vulnerable, defenseless. A sheep, uh, you know, the only thing they can do is run, and they can barely do that. Yeah, they can't run faster than wolves. Yeah, and so, you know, that's one of the chapters I have in the book. And another chapter that I have, in fact, chapter number two in the book, is I deal with the matter of how to avoid persecution. The title of that chapter is Avoiding Persecution When Possible. Uh, Jesus also in Matthew ten sixteen he said, Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is to help prevent uh, well, the unnecessary uh, loss of a life because somebody is just being too militant or too, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there is there is that concept as well. On that, persecution, the actual definition of persecution is to be made to run. Yeah. It's to it's to be chased. Yeah. That's what persecution means. So if someone who's persecuted is being, is running away from something. Yeah. So like somebody wants to That's hurt right. you and you have to get away in order for that not to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. persecution. 
Yeah, and then I have a chapter here about holding nothing back. I mean, when we're called to be persecuted, we just have to embrace that call and just go for it. Uh, confessing or denying Christ before men uh, is chapter number four, and I'm just kind of scrolling down. You know, the crisis in Afghanistan is one of the things that I examined here. Uh, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians are being killed in the Middle East. What people are surprised by mostly is that more people are being killed for their faith now than ever before. Um, you know, we would think it was back in the days of the Crusades and such, but, um, you know, that's that's not uh, that's not the reality. There's more that are dying in the Middle East and more that are dying, like in China, for their faith than ever before. Well, the reason for that is also population. There's True a too. huge difference between population, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, 300 years ago compared to now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how uh, how soon do you think, you know, there there is persecution in America today. It may be not uh, not as uh, violent or as um, harsh as what other people who ha- have may face, but, you know, you said something the other night in Bible college, and I wish I could remember exactly how you said it, but it was something about the attacking of free speech. Yeah. And how they're slowly... Well, it's happening. I mean, the COVID thing was the most frightening thing in my ministry career. Yeah. Uh, You know, because they said, you must shut down. You Mm -hmm. must shut down your services. And even though our governor, you know, Governor DeSantis, I'm thankful for Governor DeSantis. I think he's been a wonderful governor in the state of Florida. But even our governor, uh, he was just a a rookie governor at the time. But he was even uh, sort of bowing to some of the pressures and encouraging people to shut down. And then later he came back and, and completely reversed that. And I'm thankful that he did, but there's a pastor right around the corner from us here that was arrested because, um, you know, he did not follow uh, county protocol, and Sheriff Chronister uh, actually had him arrested. And uh, and so this kind of stuff is happening. And one of the things that I really rely on in Scripture is what the Bible tells us to be prepared for and how to prepare for it. Hmm. Uh, if the Bible does not tell us to prepare for something, I'm of the assumption that we're not going to participate in that. The Bible does tell us how to prepare for persecution, and it tells us in numerous, numerous places. Uh, for example, it even gives us instructions on what to do when one of our brothers is persecuted, and it talks about giving a cold water in the name of the Lord. And uh, when you do that, you, you you give a cold water, a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet, and you receive a prophet's reward. So we're called upon to assist the persecuted. We're called upon to, to reach out to those that are going through these things. Look, the bottom line is the Bible says it's going to happen. We're fools and ignorant and blind if we think that what Jesus predicted here is never going to happen to us. Um, uh, but one of the greatest persecutors in Scripture was the Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Persecutors can be reached. Persecutors can be converted. They can be brought to Christ. And I think that depends heavily on how we behave when the fires of persecution begin to smolder and begin to burn. I don't know if you used this. Sorry, Jeremy. Okay. I don't know if you used this as an example, but didn't one of the um, one of the Romans that crucified Jesus testify afterwards that truly this man was this the was the Son of God? Yeah, a powerful, powerful moment for a Gentile to say that. That's right in front of everybody and say that he participated. Yeah. Cause in he really outed killing. himself there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really identified with Jesus in that critical hour. So sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. What were you part. saying? I totally forgot now. Sorry. Oh, I, I think it was something. Sorry, I think man. it was like, uh, I know we have, this is like a whole nother, I'm opening another can, so we won't be able to talk about it now. 
Yeah, no more. Just giving us the signal. <laughs> but how much persecution is going on amongst uh, believers themselves towards each other? Well, you know what? Well, that, it's interesting something. you say that because there's two sections to this book. Section one is persecution from the outside in. And section two is antagonism from the on the inside of the church, where pastors are being persecuted by people who actually name the name of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Oh, I remember back to that church conflict class, mm-hmm. and um, some of the things that church members would do to a pastor. Yes, sir. You know, like shoot his dog on his yeah. own property in front of his wife and kids, and yeah. or the pastor's wife and kids, and stuff like that, just to get at this man. Yeah, that was a friend of mine. Wow. That actually happened to a friend of mine. But. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I know I know we're winding this part of it down, and we're almost out of time. Did we have a question or no? I can't no, remember. Okay, so we have one, a question. It's super from fast. A, I can answer it in one word. I let's go it. with it. All right. So the question is: Can a woman be a pastor? Ready? You got? You got? Watch this. Ready? Hold on to your hold on to your seats, you guys. Ready? <clears throat> no. Sorry. Dang, I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> I was building that up so much. Can we dude. rewind Thunder. real quick? Let's this rewind. Yeah. No. Why? Is the real question. This is where you're going to get us in trouble. It was so much easier just to say no. Yeah, it was, man. I was, <laughs> can I, I was can I tell you why I think I know why? Because there's that verse in Timothy that says that they were deceived first. <laughs> yeah. So um, first of all, the obvious answer is qualification reasons. Um, wives are not to be um, the husband of one wife, or a woman's not supposed to be the husband of one wife. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Men are the husband of one wife. Not women. I know this is uh, very controversial in today's age, but your marriage is not legitimate if you got the same gender on both sides. You yeah. got one, the other, legitimate marriage. So when it comes to the qualifications, they're straight up not qualified. As far as the the necessary uh, capabilities to be a pastor, that's a different question, I suppose. Um, but I don't think that women are built to be the leader of a group of, of church believers. Mm-mm. I don't believe that they're uh, meant for that role. And even if some woman would, seems to be able to fit it quite well, I don't think it's right. So, yeah, there you go. Sorry. What were you saying about, um, I can't, I don't how know the verse It's in verse. It's, I think it's in, and, um, is it in Timothy where he talk or what is it? Jay's it was it was the it was the woman who was deceived. That yeah. was that what it is. I yeah. think that's re- um, referring to no. How, that's talking that in there is talking about. Well, it is referring to like Eve in the beginning, but this that is talking specifically about a woman's role in church. Right. Yeah, it's saying that because uh, she should ask her husband at home, yeah. um, as opposed to speaking out to yeah. Let her you keep know, silent in the church. Let her keep silent if in she the had church. Questions? Let her ask her husband. Exactly. exactly. It's First Corinthians fourteen thirty four. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Yeah, I'm looking for something different. No, guys. it was it was uh some specifically about how the woman because it was the woman who was deceived. Yeah. Now I'm going to find it. Yeah, I'll I'll just throw this in while you guys are doing that research and this is probably not going to win me any friends. <laughs> um there is a certain doctrinal vulnerability that women have yeah. that uh, that creates within them a problem when it comes to doctrine. And if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, 
Uh, man, this is going to sound bad when I say this, but it is so thoroughly biblical. Uh, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the reason why man fell and got themselves into the situation that they were in is because Satan sequestered Eve away from her husband, isolated Eve away from her husband, and then asked her to interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. when he did so, he put a vulnerable spin on that Scripture and said, Yea, hath God said, Yea, hath God said. And Eve, in her doctrinal vulnerability, just drunk that in. And then she carried that to her husband, and his eyes were open. And so he was able to see the doctrinal fallout. He was able to foresee the doctrinal fallout of what was about to happen. So if you look at that curse that was placed upon Eve, that curse was that she is going to be... Her in desire many, would yep, be to exactly her husband. Exactly right. Yep. Her, 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 she is in many, many cases going to be more intelligent than him, more intuitive than him, in many if not most cases. But her desire is going to be to her husband, but he shall rule over her. And that's talking about uh, in the realm of ministry especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interpretation of God's mm-hmm. word is left up solely to qualified men and if women have questions they have to ask those questions at home now that doesn't mean that women don't have the holy spirit and can't understand the bible that's not what any of that means but what it does mean is when you're put into the preaching event and and you guys in here may not even totally understand what i'm talking about here Uh, when you're put into the the preaching event when you are actually in front of that congregation behind the pulpit with the Bible open. There's a spiritual warfare that is going on there. And sadly, it is my understanding from Scripture that if a woman is handling the Word in that setting, she is of all times more vulnerable than ever. And that's why it's forbidden for a woman to preach or a woman to be a pastor. So I found the verses I was looking for. It's in First Timothy chapter 2. Um, starting in 11, it says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But then it's in verse 12, it says, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor right. to... To usurp authority. Uh, yeah. Over man, but to be silenced. For Adam was first formed, then, then Eve. Eve. And then in verse 14, it says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was being deceived, was in the transgression. That's yeah. exactly right. That's what it says. You can't improve on the black and white of Scripture. You so cannot. Maybe maybe one day we actually should do a little bit more, you know. And that would be a popular because, podcast. Yeah. You know, I do have like, you know, there's also some people um, who believe that, you know, women can't be talk like speak in church and, you know, other stuff like that. And to maybe some extent maybe I could see it. But well, there are certain restrictions there, but some of that's a little bit uh Yeah, right, because then you have too. what about the men who won't say anything? Yeah. You know, like, and so there's just, yeah, there's like, like, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to throw this in here too. This is not a woman problem. This is a man problem. Right. Exactly. Yep. It's exactly not, right. It's not that, yeah, exactly, Jay. It's exactly right. It, it, it's it's not a, an issue of women trying to usurp authority. It's it's an issue of of men not feeling the role. Uh, basically forfeiting their authority. Yeah. And women are left in a position that they are in their not too. And the so they say, well, look, we got to say something. We got to do something. So they step into a role that they weren't designed for. And, and marriage is the same Which, exactly. Exactly. By the way, that was the exactly. case for Deborah and judges. 
There was no man filling that no role. There was no righteous man to step into that role. So who do we got? We got Step Deborah. up, boys. Yeah. Let's go. So men aren't fulfilling step their Step up, boys, their, and become men. Yeah. They're not fulfilling their God-given responsibility. That's right. So Wow. What a question. Good podcast. So thanks a lot, guys. I know we're all out of time here. Um, uh, we want you to visit all of the formats and all of the uh, opportunities to, to download the podcast, listen to the podcast. We, we're glad to have subscribers on our YouTube channels and uh, you can find a whole lot of Bible teaching at Bible, excuse me, at BrandonBaptistTabernacle.com. Uh, the podcast website is CherishingScripturePodcast.com. That's a beautiful website. Brother Jeremy designs that for us. And uh, you can take advantage of all this stuff. It's free. Uh, we're, we're totally on board with ministry, and so uh, we're glad that you listened with us today. Jay, thanks again, man. It's your, your first time in with us. Thanks for your help. Doing a great job. Where's my pizza? And you guys too, yeah, man, yeah, man. You got to feed, yeah, cracker barrel, all right. You feed the army, right? And uh, so, he did. Uh, he did an okay job, all right. Yes, he did let's a not, good job. We're let's gonna not, get there. Yeah. Let's not go crazy. He did have country fried steak at Cracker Barrel today, all right. Cracker Barrel. That was an appetizer. There's <laughs> <laughs> okay. a big Maybe guys some mellow mushroom. Yes. You know, we should have a debate about what the best pizza is. I'm, I'm mellow mushroom man. I'm telling you, I'm I've never heard of that. It's super life. liberal, but I love that place. Man. Sam and Eddie's. I would start a church down there if they would let us. Uh, so anyway, we're thankful to have you guys on board today. Join us again next time, uh, Changing Society by Cherishing Scripture.